What's going on, everybody, and welcome to the First in Tech podcast. I'm your host, technician sports editor Camden Spate. I am assistant sports editor Jake Cacavaro. And I am technician's video editor and tech sports football beat writer Jalen Harrington. So welcome to uh, a new year. Uh, we had a volume 100 podcast go up in the spring semester, at the end of the spring semester, um, talking about baseball and such. But now it is football season, so that is what we're going to get into today. Technician is releasing its special football edition paper on Thursday. That's August 29th, so make sure to pick that up on stands if you're around campus. Uh, going into this year, I want to you know, do a couple things with the podcast. We really want to thank Andrew Snicker and uh, Alex Sawyer for getting this up and running one thing I want to change, and we're going to go ahead and get into it, is uh, at the beginning of each podcast, we're going to talk about something from the sports world, okay? And uh, it's it's going to be opinionated, kind of, and we're going to you know just discuss what's going on before we get into NC State and local Raleigh sports stuff. So today, we're going to be talking about Andrew Luck and oh his retirement. Oh uh, a lot of injuries you know, plagued his football career, and uh, he announced that he will be retiring uh Really early, I think age twenty nine. Is that right? Mm-hmm, that's right. So, uh, what do you, what do you think about that? Anybody? I say all the power to him. I mean, he's twenty nine years old. He's made almost a hundred million dollars. Uh, he's got a family. He's got nothing really left to prove. Everyone knows him. I mean, when healthy, he was probably a top five quarterback. Um, the when healthy part was an issue, but that's even all the more reason to retire. He's been banged up pretty much his whole career. Even going back to Stanford, he played with a number of injuries, and I mean. If he if his heart's not there anymore, and if it's if the injuries are taking a toll on his body to the point where it could affect the rest of his life, then step away. Football football is not worth it. Yeah, no, I agree with you, Jake. And I kind of look at it from a different perspective. Um, I'm wondering what's up with the Colts medical staff. I mean, he's been injured so much, and his injury history with the Colts is really bad. He had an ankle injury this preseason, which turned into a calf injury which turned into we don't know what's wrong with him, which turned into he's retiring. And I'm looking at the Colts like how do you squander the career of such a great player? And it was it goes back to even uh, 2017 when he missed the whole season. Up until even the week before the regular season, there were still the, oh, well, Luck might be ready by week one. We don't know. Oh, he might miss a couple weeks. He ends up missing the whole season with his shoulder injury that he had to go to Germany to get fixed. Like, yeah, yeah. Something's up with the Colts medical staff, and we may never find out what it is. Yeah, it it really sucks because of the start that he was able to get when he was playing. He was one of the best in the league, and it's unfortunate that it that had to be cut short. And there's just so many question marks around him all the time. I feel bad for him, but uh, you know he he got a pretty good degree. He's a really smart guy, so I I'm gonna say that that's not the last thing we hear from him. And I bet he does something pretty cool with. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's retiring early, so he's got a lot of time to you know do with that what he wants. Um, so uh, moving away from that, moving into NC State football, uh, we got Jalen here on the podcast today. He's our he's our football guy. He's ready to uh, show show us everything that he's learned in the in this you know summer league and the whatever they've been doing over the summer. So. We're going to go ahead and get into it with the the big news this week is Matt McKay being announced as the starting quarterback. Probably not much of a surprise, but it is official this week. Jalen, what have you seen from Matt McKay in the last couple of weeks? Well, I mean, going even back to the spring game, Matt is just the most experienced quarterback, and he's just so comfortable in what he does. I mean, 
He knows where he's going with the football. He can make all the throws that he needs to make. He's not going to wow you with his arm talent, but he's good enough to get the job done. I mean, he could tuck the ball and run if he needs to. He's not going to throw picks. You know, he's not going to make mistakes. And that's really what Dorn's looking for at quarterback. He just wants you to be a game manager and don't lose the game for the team. And that's what Matt does. It sounded like when Dorn was talking about him in the press conference, he was talking about his accuracy and how great that had been and that he was really consistent. That doesn't necessarily sound exciting. Uh, you look at Ryan Finley last year kind of a, a pro-ready quarterback. He was very consistent. He didn't normally take a whole lot of shots down the field. Is that something different that we're going to see from Matt McKay? Is there going to be more more shots down the field? Is he going to be more conservative like Ryan was? Or what do you think about that? So the new co-OCs, uh, Des Kitchings and George McDonald, they're going to emphasize more explosive plays. But you don't have to take shots downfield to get those explosive plays. Right, So you can pass the ball out of the backfield to a Zonovan Knight, to a Ricky Person, and they can make one cut and go 20 yards down the field. You know, you could pass the ball over the middle to the tight end, Kerry Angeline. He can break a tackle and go on. So it's really not going to be about the home run shot with Matt McKay. It's going to be about him just getting the ball to the right playmaker who can then make a play. Do you guys think that uh, Matt's going to be the guy the whole year? Is there any way that anyone else steps into that role throughout the season? I mean, Bailey Hockman apparently really made a push towards the end of fall camp. Um, and Devin Leary has really taken a step back as far as the buzz goes. I mean, I don't think Matt McKay will do anything to lose his job now that he has it, and that's been the way that it's been since the spring started. But, you know, say they need an extra, you know, juice at quarterback – I can see them go to Bailey Hockman in a game that they're losing kind of badly, down two, three touchdowns, and they just need a spark and go to Bailey really quickly and see what he can do for you. Yeah, I, I personally think I think McKay's going to be the guy. I mean, just Doran's history as the head coach, um, he doesn't switch that up. I mean, Ryan Finley had his struggles from time to time, and Doran never wavered on him, and it paid off. And even when Finley was coming in, Starting in 2016 when he transferred from Boise State, he wasn't projected to be the starting quarterback at the beginning of when he started practicing. It was going to be Jalen McClendon who ended up transferring to Baylor, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Um, but Doran knew Finley was his guy and stuck with him, even though that 2016 year, Finley's first year, it wasn't great. It was extremely up and down, but there was never even a hint of speculation that it would be McClendon. The only time McClendon really got any significant playing time was that hurricane game against Notre Dame at home when you physically could not throw the ball but I think he's gonna I think McKay's gonna be the guy and I think McKay's gonna be good enough in general to not to to not warrant Hawkman having to come in or even Leary like I I think Matt McKay's good I think Bailey Hawkman's also okay but I think McKay can do stuff with his legs that Hawkman and Leary can't do at all and I think that's gonna be that it's gonna give them a more dynamic offense that they had back when they had Jacoby Brissett. And McKay's even faster than Brissett, or even back when they had Russell Wilson who could run. And Doran did mention this in his presser after he named McKay the quarterback. He said point blank, you know, he's not going to have a quick hook. He's going to let McKay get in there, takes his, uh, take his lumps, and kind of learn and grow as a starting quarterback. It's not going to be, oh, you threw a pick. All right, Bailey, you're in there. You know, he's going to allow McKay – to learn as a quarterback, and he's going to make mistakes early on, but he's going to catch a stride as well. And you look at the the weapons that McKay is going to have. Looking at last year, 
obviously Kelvin Harmon and Jacoby Myers, like they were the guys. And they both had over a thousand yards receiving. Uh, Myers now with um, Jake's Patriots and uh, doing pretty well in the preseason. But you're looking at the receiving core. You got C.J. Riley, Amizi, and Thera Thomas. So like, wh- who do you think is going to step up? Who's the guy? And uh, do you think all three of them are going to contribute the all season? Um. I don't know that there's going to be a guy the same way that Kelvin Harmon was the guy last year, um, but all of them are going to step up in their different ways. You know, Emeka Amezi, he's very, very consistent. You know, you know what you're going to get from him. You know what he's capable of. He's not, you know, a world beater athletically, but he gets open. He catches the ball. You know, CJ Riley, you've got a really tall receiver, really fast receiver. When he catches the ball, I mean, y'all saw the catch he made in the Gator Bowl for that touchdown. He's a really dangerous player. Thayer Thomas is very shifty. You know, every single time he went up in one-on-ones in practice, every single time he won one-on-ones, that he cannot be covered, uh, very simply. So, you know, they've got a really dangerous wide receiver core, and all of them are going to play a part. Here, Here's my thing with that group is they're not going to come close to emulating the production that Harmon, Jacoby, and um, even Steph Lewis gave. But at the same time, the three of them are very similar to the three of Harmon, Myers, and Steph Lewis. I mean, when you look at it, you've got Amezi, who will probably be the number one guy. He'll probably take on the Kelvin Harmon role of the go-to receiver. You've got, right behind him, I mean, you've got Thayer Thomas in that slot, kind of, to take up the short gains, to take up the third and three, third and four, a quick hit across the middle. And then you've got C.J. Riley who could be, in terms of how Jacoby was a little bit overshadowed by Kelvin and that Kelvin got all the headlines, but Jacoby's production was right there behind him. I mean, he was first team all ACC. That could be C.J. Riley. Now, it'll all be on a much smaller scale. We're not going to have two 1,000-yard receivers on the team. It's not going to be like that. But I would not be surprised if the three of them happened to fill in the shoes a little bit less than what the other three were doing. But I, I think it's going to be very similar in terms of how the production spread around. I love watching Thayer Thomas play. He's just he's really quick. He's a scrappy player. Like you said, it seems like the times he goes up to get the ball, he's not afraid to go up and get the ball, and he'll get it every time. I, uh, I love watching him play. He's a two-sport athlete um, playing baseball, so, I mean, you know he's athletic. Looking at the running game, uh, you know, Doran kind of hinted it seemed like they're going to use pretty much everybody, all four running backs that they have on the depth chart. Um, Ricky Person probably highlighting that group. So do you think all four are going to get substantial playing time? How much will we see Donovan Knight? And, you know, what's what's the production going to be like for them? So the one to a running back is definitely Ricky Person and Donovan Knight. They are definitely going to see a lot of play time. Um, for the other freshmen, you know, Jordan Houston is getting a lot, a lot, a lot of buzz, you know. He's maybe 5'9", five 5'8", five very fast. Um, he's similar to Naheem Hines in that he can play out in the slot if he needs to. Um, you know, he can cast the ball out of the backfield. He's a really dangerous player, and he's so dangerous that they just can't keep him off the field. So the three of them are definitely going to see a lot of play time. Trent Penix might end up being the odd man out. You know, he might help in the return game. He might carve out a special teams role. I'm not sure. But those three backs of Ricky Person, Zonovan Knight, and Jordan Houston have state's coaches really, really excited. Yeah, I I agree with what Jalen said. I think Ricky's going to be the go-to guy on first and second downs or on 
short yardage situation, goal line situations. But I think Zonovan Knight's going to absolutely be the third down back. And he's big enough, too. I think he's six foot, just about 200 pounds. He can run between the tackles, too, if he has to. When when Ricky Person's on the field, the defense is going to know it's most likely going to be a running play. But when Knight's on there, it could be anything. It could be a stretch run. It could be a run between the tackles. It could be a passing play. It, I think it'll be interesting to see how he holds up in pass blocking because he, I think the third down back role is going to be his. But if he can't hold his own in the pass blocking, because obviously this will be his first test against college defenders. But if he can hold up right there, I, I wouldn't be surprised if halfway through the season we start seeing Zonovan Knight get more snaps. Maybe not as many carries or as many touches, but more snaps than a rookie person. And this is a lot of this is going to uh, depend on the offensive line. You know, Zonovan's so dangerous that I feel like he's that back where if he breaks the line of scrimmage, the defense has a problem on their hands because he's so fast. I mean, he's a home run hitter. We saw in the spring game, you know, he breaks through the line of scrimmage and the linebackers cannot catch him. So if the O-line can, you know, get their stuff together with a new offensive coach, you know, the running game will be very dangerous. One thing we're not really going to talk about today <laughs> is the kicker. And I know a lot of NC State fans are thankful for that with all the woes that the Pack have had there. But um, Chris Dunn, obviously going to do a great job there. He only missed three last season, um, perfect on extra points. So, um, you know, for Wolfpack fans, you know, thank goodness for Chris Dunn. Uh, moving to the defense it seems like the secondary has really been the Achilles heel of this team in the last, you know, couple of years or really as long as I've been here a long, uh, as long as, you know, a lot of NC State students and fans have been following. So is it better this year or what have you been seeing from the secondary? Okay, so I'll preface this with this is, I believe, the third straight year. I've come into a season with NC State saying the secondary has to get better this year, right? But this year, I feel like it might be true. Finally, <laughs> um, <sighs> the boy who you cried say wolf. This. You the say this. The boy who cried wolf. Yeah. Um. And I'll tell you why. So, you know, we've got players from last year, young players like Tashawn Smith, who had to see a lot of time, and that's going to give him a lot of experience going into this year. You know, Tashawn Smith got threw out there because of injuries. He got torn up. You know, the first couple games. As the season went along, he came along and he started playing better and better. And he's going to take that experience with him going forward. You know, they've also got uh, players like Tyon Palmer, who was a four-star blue-chip recruit. He had an injury, was out all last year. He can play this year. You know, a big thing is that the secondary is much more healthy this year than it was last year. And really, it does not have to be great. It has to be good enough to let the front seven do damage. Yeah, I agree. And I think, honestly... With this, the secondary as constructed right now, I think the secondary will go as Nick McLeod and Jarius Moorhead go. I mean, if they're performing well, if Nick McLeod can consistently not shut down, but at least slow down other teams' top receivers, and Jarius Moorhead can be in the backfield on safety blitzes or can stay back and cover a tight end, can cover a big receiver, I think they'll be okay. But if those two are struggling, then it puts so much pressure on a very inexperienced rest of the Defense, rest of the secondary that I, I don't know how that's going to work out. I, I think it, the secondary will go as McLeod and Moorhead go, and I think it's impossible to say right now exactly how they'll go. Yeah, you bring up a good point, and McLeod, you know, the biggest thing that you do as a defense in football is 
You don't want to stop every single thing an offense has. You just want to make them play left-handed. So take away the top receiver. If you can do that, you know, you feel fine about letting Chris Ingram do his thing with the number two. But you need Nick McLeod as the top corner to be healthy all year. He was hurt last year, and he was playing hurt for a good part of the year. So you need him to stay healthy and be able to take away the number one uh, receiver on the other side. So speaking of the front seven, you're replacing Jermaine Pratt this season, and the defensive line turnover has been pretty high the last couple of years with guys going to the NFL. So who's stepping up in those roles, and you know, is, is anyone going to be able to re- replace the production that Pratt had being the leading tackler? So no one man is going to replace uh, Pratt's production. Lewis, or, or Lou, I'm sorry, did you say that? He does Lou? like to go by Lou. He likes Lou, okay. Louis Seuss um, is taking Pratt's uh, position in the linebacking core. He's going to start alongside Isaiah Moore. And the two of them, I, f- I think Wolfpack fans should be very confident in. You know, they're going to be able to get the job done. And on defensive line, you know, you lose Darren Roseboro, you lose Andreas Bryant, but you also return Laurel Murchison and James with Williams. And you got to be really confident in those two as, you know, seniors and graduates and their ability to both lead the new players, the new really talented players under them, and, you know, make their mark on the game. I mean, Laurel Mutchison is getting a lot, a lot of preseason buzz, and he's getting named to the Outland, the Outland Trophy Award. You know, he's having a lot going on. And there's also Tony Gibson bringing along his 3-3-5. So, State's deepest position this year, it's funny how this works out, is the linebacking core. And Tony Jake, you Gibson, seemed excited about this 3 3 5. <laughs> yeah. oh, I, I'm excited to switch things up finally. Like the, <laughs> What the defense has been doing the last few years has not worked out very well. Yeah. See last year's Clemson and Syracuse games. So, I, I mean, I think at this point, I mean, the, the tape has been out on how to attack the Wolfpack defense I, I think switching it up even if every even if every player even if no player like performs super well I think just switching it up in general and I mean the, right now there's no film on the type of defense NC State's going to run I think that alone gives them a leg up this season yeah. and you know if we want to move this a little bit to ECU you know when State played ECU last year if you watch that tape back, you see a lot of three-man rushes. You see a lot of two DNs, one D tackle, and they're leaving a linebacker to spy. And they were getting there with a three-man rush. So if you can just send three D linemen and be able to drop a couple linebackers in the coverage, you know that changes the game as far as helping your secondary, which has struggled in the past with covering wide receivers. And I think with ECU, I think NC State matches up so well with them, especially defensively. The NC State's weakest spot is its secondary. ECU has a, I'll say, very good quarterback in Holton Aylers. I'm dynamic, dual threat quarterback. Led the team in rushing last year. He's not a pocket passer. He, I, I, no. I think he completed about 48 percent of his passes last year. He's the guy. He's pretty good, but his strength is not sitting back in the pocket and picking apart a defense, which historically the last few years is how you've beaten NC State. You look at the quarterbacks that they lost to. They lost to Trevor Lawrence, who picked them apart. They lost to uh, Syracuse's quarterback. Who, who Eric Dungy. Yeah, they lost to Eric Dungy, who sat in the pocket and picked them apart. Those are the guys that they that NC State struggles with the most, and that's not what Holton Aylers is going to do. And if NC State is sending three-man rushes at him and he's forced to sit there, if they can contain him, so let him scramble for a few yards at a time, but if they can con- contain him, 
force him to find mismatches. Uh, I don't think NC State will win 58-3 to again, <laughs> but I, I don't think it's going to be a particularly close game. And that game, you know, really had a lot of Finley and a lot of Gillespie and, you know, most people who are gone. But Matt McKay did complete one pass for 12 yards. Of course, so <laughs> quarterback. I, I feel like that's really, you know, a good sign for this ECU game. I'm expecting this game not really to be close. I don't think ECU really has a whole lot of production that's going to be able to match up against against NC State. Um, Amezi, Riley, and Thomas all played in that game. Um, you know, a couple a couple of receptions each. You know, anywhere between 30 and 50 yards. But um, is there anything that ECU might have a leg up on, or is there, you know anything NC State should really keep an eye out for? Um, the the only thing I think I mean is just it, if ECU is going to keep it close, it's going to be because the defensive line can't contain Aylers. That that's yeah. pretty much it. I mean, I, I I he went to one of my high schools, rival high school, so I my whole high school career watched him. Just it, it, if you're not containing him, if the defensive line and the linebackers don't know where he is at all times, he'll eat you alive on the ground. But it, if they just spy, if they just keep one linebacker spying and just tell the defensive ends just to hold the edge. I, I don't see what he's going to do to to put up many points. And like you said earlier, Jake, ECU is just a great matchup for the Wolfpack. It's like the Virginia game from last year where the whole thing was, we'll let Bryce Perkins pass. We'll let him pass. He's not going to run. Yep. They stopped the run first, and I don't think Ehlers can get his passes off the way that he does because they start with the run. And if they can't get the run started, then what are they going to do? You know, Mike Houston, who's the new coach at ECU, who came from James Madison, who NC State also beat last year, um, he talked a little bit about how it's going to be a much tougher game and fans should take ECU to cover 17 points. Not so sure about that. I will say, though, with the James Madison game, NC State struggled in that game against Mike Houston. They didn't cover the spread. So uh, I'm not saying Mike Houston has NC State number or anything, but I think he's a pretty darn good coach. Oh, you're right. So we're going to move on to predictions right now. We're at, you know, a little over 20 minutes, so we're going to do this a little a little more quickly than we would have done it normally. Uh, first is going to be with record. Um, and we have a predictions piece coming out in the paper on Thursday and on our website, technicianonline.com, also on Thursday. Uh, I'm going to go, you know, a lot of people going 8-4 and four here, so I went ahead and changed it up. I went 7-5, and five, a really young team. I don't. The schedule isn't that intimidating. I don't think it's a very difficult schedule, but there's a, a couple tough road games in there. Traveling to Florida State, Boston College, and you know, obviously, you know, we lose to Wake Forest a lot, so that's in there. And then adding that to Clemson and you know, Syracuse at home. Syracuse is a Thursday night game, so the atmosphere at Carter Finley is probably gonna you know at least keep the pack in it, if not um, have them win that game. But I just I don't think that they're going to be able to put together eight nine win season with the team that they have, and um, so I'm going to go seven and five. You know I'm going to be a little more optimistic. I'll go eight and four, um, just because I think the defense will really carry this team, and you know a good defense can win you championships. So eight and four for me. I'm not going to be too optimistic. I think eight and four, but I think in general. Whatever their record is, I think they're a little bit worse than their record shows. I, I think they may play a little bit over their heads, but I don't think this is a very good NC State team. This reminds me of the one from a few years ago that went 7-5 and five and made a bowl game. So moving on to offensive M- MVP, I'm going to Mezzi. He finished third in receptions and yards last year, had five touchdowns. 
I, I think he's probably going to be, you know, at least, you know, one of the top two guys in the receiving core this year. So I think he's going to be the MVP. I'll go with Zonovan Knight just because I think the one-two combo that he forms with Ricky is going to really, really help Matt McKay out as he, you know, becomes a starting quarterback. And I think he's going to take such a load off of the quarterback and the wide receivers that he's going to be my MVP. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with Matt McKay. I mean, I, I'm a firm believer that the MVP of every good offense is the quarterback. I don't. I mean, the quarterback has the ball in his hands every play, chooses where the ball is going to. Uh, I think it's going to be McKay. That's weird from a Tom Brady guy. <laughs> uh, moving to the defense, uh, MVP, I'm going to go with uh, Jarius Moorhead. I think, you know, he had three interceptions last season, and he's the top tackler returning for this season. I'm going to say that he has five picks this year in his uh, redshirt senior season. That's he's bold. the MVP of the defense. That would be That's a sight bold. to see. <laughs> I'll go with Larell Murchison. Um you know, if y'all have watched Aaron Donald play, you know, a great defensive tackle will absolutely wreck offenses. And I'm not saying he's Aaron Donald, but Laroma Sin is a very good player, and I think he's going to have a great year. I think he's ready for this, and he's going to lead a defense. And I'm going with James Smith-Williams. I mean, new captain. His body, He completely transformed his body. He he looks like a grown man out there compared to boys. Uh, I, I think he's going to wreck havoc in the backfield, and I think he'll be a little Bradley Chubb light. And best win is something I really enjoy putting on these predictions. I'm going to go with the Orange uh, at home Thursday night. Syracuse is a good team, and that's going to be a very tough test, but I don't think NC State has any chance against Clemson, so I think Syracuse is probably the next best team. I am nothing if not a man with hot takes, so I will be going with Clemson as the best one of the year. Go big or go home, man. I think... Clemson's got their sights now on Syracuse as their top rival in the Atlantic, and I think that's just how NC State should want it. You know, there's going to be no press about this game. Everyone's going to assume Clemson beats NC State, and that's why I think they have a chance this year to shock uh, the Clemson Tigers. It was a one-score game in 2016 and 2017, so but I do not have the in the kind of confidence that Jalen has. I agree with Camden. I think Syracuse is going to be a good win. Syracuse is really good this year. I think they're ranked 22nd already. Getting them at home on a Thursday night is going to help. It reminds me of a couple years ago, that Louisville game on a Thursday night, a blackout. Louisville was ranked. Lamar Jackson was, com- was coming off his Heisman season, ready to tear it up, and they just stifled him. Won a close game, electric game. I think it's going to resemble that with Syracuse. And finally, breakout player. I'm going to go to Barry Hines, um, playing in the slot behind Thayer Thomas. I feel like he's going to have a chance to show himself quite a bit, and um, he's really athletic guy. So I think he's really going to show exactly what he can do with a new quarterback. And I'll go with Isaiah Moore. You know, Isaiah Moore didn't really blow anybody away last year. He's a really good fundamental player. He doesn't make mistakes. He's always in the right place. And, you know, without Jermaine Pratt kind of swallowing up all the tackles, I think he's going to have a better year this year. And like I talked about a little bit at the beginning, I'm going to go Zonovan Knight. I think by the end of the season, he'll be out snapping rookie person. I think it it won't take very long, especially with a relatively weak non-conference very weak non-conference schedule. I don't think it'll take very long for him to show what he can do. And I think by the time the game at Florida State and ACC play rolls around, that night will be the guy Wolfpack fans are most excited about. And, you know, to wrap this up, I'm going to go back to Jalen's hot takes here because he really <laughs> enjoys his hot takes. So I'm going to give him a chance, and uh, and Jake as well, a chance to 
you know, present any hot takes or bold predictions for this season. So uh, I'll let, you know, besides the whole Clemson thing, but I'll let Jalen go first. Right. So hot take. Let's say that Zonovan Knight is in Zonovan Knight's an All American, man. Oh. Let's go. Let's go there. So we man. did scorching hot sun We're takes. Scorching hot sun takes. Look, here, it could happen. You know, Ricky Person has been hurt in the past. If he gets hurt again, you know, Zonovan Knight is the guy, and they're going to lean on him a lot. You know, I think that people are really underestimating just how good he is. And he's absolutely blowing people away. So I can see him having a great year. Okay. Uh, I mean, my hot take then is going to be a negative hot take. Uh, I would not be surprised at all if NC State doesn't make a bowl game. I mean, the the Syracuse and Clemson games are at home, which is nice, but it's very clear cut. Those two teams are better. You've got to go on the road to West Virginia, who's not that great this year, but that's one of the toughest places in the league to play. That could be three losses. you got to go at Florida State, who's supposed to be a lot more improved this year also a tough place to play there's potentially four and then you got to go at boston college and at wake forest nc state struggled with boston college last year blew a big lead and that was without aj Dillon playing for boston college we, we all know everyone listening to this podcast probably an nc state fan probably know the wake forest history it, nc state doesn't play wake forest very well that's six teams i've already mentioned and then this pains me to say as a wake forest fan but Last game of the season, senior day, home against North Carolina. I think Mac Brown, North oh, Carolina's no, new sir. coach. Oh, no, sir. I would not <laughs> be surprised if he's got them coming this. out there fired up. No, sir. And they finally beat NC State. It's got to happen eventually. Then we're not, NC State's not going to beat North Carolina for the rest of history. But that's seven losses I could realistically see right there. I don't think it'll. I don't think it'll happen. Like I said, I think they'll go don't seven or five, your eight and four. Don't undermine your hot take. My hot take is my hot take. <laughs> is I would not be surprised if NC State missed out on a bowl game. I'm not going to go with anything quite as exciting <laughs> as you guys are going to do. Go a hot take, come on. But I think Chris Dunn doesn't miss a single kick this year. Ooh. Perfect field goals and extra points. He did an extra points. He missed three field goals. I think he's going to be even more prepared than he was last year. And uh, and this is his year. I think he I think he goes on perfect or almost perfect this year. So all right, we'll um, have to see. But Thank you guys for listening. Again, I'm your host, Technician Sports Editor Camden Spate. I am Jay Cacavaro, Assistant Sports Editor. I'm Jalen Harrington, Technician, Video Editor, and Football Beat Writer. And we will see you guys next week.